Code Sydney, proud sponsor of Talking Time with Lucas and Alicia have developed our amazing website, www.talkingtimepodcast.com.au. Hey, Alicia, tell us what Code Sydney do, mate. All right. Code Sydney helps those who are helping the community. So they uh, partner with charity organisations, not-for-profit groups, and they have beginner developers that will have the chance to gain practical real world experience while they're helping the community so it's pretty much a win-win scenario mate you've got to love that in our world mate when it's a win-win when uh, the community's getting a crack at something and then others are learning from the task too uh, you can't beat that mate so the support from code sydney to help us get talking time website done and just to keep us on air and to make this thing work is is much appreciated and fantastic reach out to code sydney www.code.sydney and they'll be able to check out and see all of the stuff you need for your not-for-profit or community website or social platform. Yeah, you can also get in touch with them um, via email, info at code.sydney, and you can book a 30-minute Zoom meeting to have that conversation with them to see where they can help you. So how brilliant is that? Love it. Code Sydney, you are amazing. Thanks for supporting Talking Time with Lucas and Alicia. And we're back again. It is talking time with Lucas and Alicia. How you doing, bud? Not bad for an Easter Sunday, Lucas. It is Easter Sunday when this show's going to air. So we've got some <laughs> uh, we've got some Easter eggs coming from looking at you, mate, in the camera. You don't need to eat any of those. Just say no at the table. <laughs> and um, gotta and- love it. Gotta love it, Lucas. <laughs> hey, I thought you were going to crack a joke about my head looking like an egg. That's what usually happens. Hey, I, I would not do that, but I did come prepared today. So I thought we could kick off the podcast with a couple of facts to do with Easter. Hey, that's a first um, for everything, mate. Like you being prepared <laughs> is a first for everything. That's a good thing. <laughs> All right. So Go. first fact, the first story of a bunny hiding eggs in a garden at Easter time dates back to the 1600s um so it said it was around 1680 and i thought you were that there. was really relevant for our podcast because that was the year of your birth oh you beat me to it you, <laughs> you beat me to it i love 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 it uh, so what do you do for easter what's what goes on at your place what do you do um good friday it's always a bit of fishing with the family and then hopefully a bit of um Home-cooked fish and chips and salad uh, with everybody. And then Easter. Easter Day is a huge Easter egg hunt at Arnie's house. I am the favourite Arnie. Um, so we do a bit of that, another barbecue, a couple of uh, craft beers, and it's just beautiful. Love family. Nice. How about you, Lucas? Yeah, we've got some um, similar thing. Obviously, we're recording this show on uh, Thursday. Um, but, yeah, tomorrow's um, similar thing. Family, kick around with the boys. Uh, I think big bike ride I think we're going on. Um then Easter Sunday, we've got our Easter egg hunt, and then we're going to the beach. We're taking the uh, stand-up paddle boards oh, down lovely. and uh, the surfboards down and boogie boards, and we're going to go and have a, have a barbie and, and chill down there and um, just hang out. And it's, um, as I said before on the show, and, and one of the things is that when you do spend some time away, um, you miss those tiny little things that, uh, that make a difference. And 
it's still every year when Christmas comes and Easter comes, I, I still get a little bit emotional with the ones that you miss and yeah. you try and make as big an effort as you can to make sure that the boys know you're there and that uh, you refresh yeah. and re what's it, reinvigorate. So, all right. <laughs> you know, hey. I think you're rather ugly, but yeah. you are definitely a family man and I think it's um really beautiful how grateful you are for everything that you have okay i need everyone i need everyone to know that <laughs> that was that was a nice thing said by alicia at a certain time we're gonna have to record this because this was not known hey do you know what talking about nice things mate we have today this is no joke today is i think our biggest interview that we've done we've done pairs we've done threes but today we have four we have a quality quality group of people that are making distinct and significant changes in the world and especially in the US. And this is a system and this is a program that I can 100% see developing here in Australia. And we want to be part of this. And this is why we have contacted the guys from the Insight Garden program. And the Insight Garden program is a program that is run in uh, certain prisons and jails in the US. Uh, it is, if you check out the their website, uh, the Insight Garden program website, I'm sure you'll talk about that a little bit later on, Leash. But just amazing. Do you get a chance to have a look at some of the videos of some of the stuff these guys get up to and have been doing over there? Yeah, absolutely. It's incredible. And I can't wait to find out more information. Um, as we talk about often, we do have our um, normal jobs that we go to every day, and that's working with at-risk youth um, through education. And what we have been working on this term is the project-based learning um, through the development of a community garden. So not only do I find it very interesting, I can see how I might be able to transfer a couple of ideas over, you know, into the work we do with those kids. So it is um, very exciting. Love it, love it, love it. Hey, I'll take this chance to introduce our special guest. Now, we've got Amanda Berger. Amanda is the co-director of the Insight Garden Program. We've got Gunnar Johnson, who's the re-entry manager. We've got Arnold Trevino, who's a re-entry coordinator. And we've got Mr. Bobby House, who is one of the alumni from uh, the program. How is everyone doing this morning? Doing great. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Really Thanks. good. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Uh, hey, let's start with you, Amanda, if you don't mind. Amanda, you're you're the big boss. You're the uh, co-director of this thing. You uh, you bring this thing together and you get this thing rolling. On the videos we see online, we see you walking the you know walk walking the field, walking the ground, you know walking the yard, as the guys will say it. And with the guys around you that are just stuck to you, that are just listening to every word you say as if it's gospel. And I, 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 it absolutely blew me away is how you were able to bring a garden program into. Um, into into a place where the media and others have portrayed this as being a hellhole and yes. you found great souls in there and have been able to help those guys um, come up with some amazing things. Can you tell us about the original story of the Inside Garden Program? Yeah, I'd be glad to. And, and I should say I'm actually the acting co-director and came in with Karen Sue and our founding director, Beth Wake, stepped out in August 2020 and Beth founded the program in 2002 at San Quentin State Prison. And um, like a lot of in-prison programs in the United States, it was really born out of her personal passion for gardening and connection to nature. Um, she had had a bit of an existential crisis after 9-11. 
and went to visit San Quentin with a friend of hers. And he said to her, what are you passionate about? And she said, gardening. And he said, have you ever thought of growing a garden in the prison, in a prison? And that's really how it started. Um, in the early years, there were, it was really about getting the garden established at San Quentin. We got our 501c3 status in 2014. And through some public funding, we were able to expand. We're now in 10 prisons in the state of California, including a youth facility in Stockton, California. And we're working in Indiana and Ohio as well. Wow, that's incredible. Thank you. Hello. <clears throat> Lucas, we lost the audio with you. Oh. I think there's a couple of um, technical difficulties. I just want to check, Amina, are you able to hear me still? I'm able to hear you clearly, just can't hear Lucas. Or not entirely a bad thing. Um, however, while we wait for Lucas, we might continue. Hey, Gunnar, are you able to tell me a little bit about your role and why you do this? Yeah, so I'm um, formerly incarcerated. I was in the federal system for 18 years. Um, when I got out, I, I started my educational process while I was incarcerated and I continued my education with the help of a program that supports people with incarceration history at Sacramento State, and then began working for that program, which is called Project Rebound. And then through Project Rebound, I was asked to speak um, to uh, Inside Garden Program participants at a few of the prisons. And so I went there and, and connected um, with those participants about you know, educational opportunities, but the program really resonated with me personally. Mm. And um, a position came open as a reentry coordinator and I applied for that and got the job. And, and really like the, my first experience was picking up someone who was initially um, doing the gate pickup the day he was released. He didn't have family that could come in and meet him. Yeah. And so I filled that role and he was serving a life without the possibility of parole sentence. And he was given a commutation by our governor and given a second chance. And so I was able to greet him and take him to his first, you know, meal or sworn meal after he got out. And, and that experience was just amazing to see that smile, you know, from the ride from um, Stockton all the way towards LA wow. and, and be a part of that process was just, it really, you know, inspired me to do this job. And, and so what I do now is um, we have four reentry coordinators uh, up and down the state of California we do pre-release support. We connect with participants probably within a year of getting out and start finding out what their needs are and trying to fill those gaps. And, and the needs vary. Some people have family support. Some people that have done yeah. long-term incarceration, usually that support begins to slip away. So we got to fill those gaps as best as we can. And sometimes we provide gate pickups, um, you know, re-entry backpack with essential supplies, a, a cell phone. Um, we help with housing, employment opportunities, educational opportunities, and we do post-release support. And that's indefinite. We don't set a timeline on our commitment to our participants. It's as long as they um, need to lean on us, we're here for them. And, and what we found, even participants that get to a place where they really don't need us, they still stay connected because of that yeah. connection they made through, um, you know, the meaningful connection that they made through our organization. That's incredible. 
That's amazing. I think, can you guys hear me again now? We're back. All right. Beautiful. Beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you know what? I'll give you a quick lesson for anyone doing podcasts out there. When you click mute on your microphone button, you probably should click unmute when you're trying to speak again. But hey, that's just a, that's just a simple situation that we'll fix up another. Hey, Lucas, you're learning. You're learning. Hey, you know your name today. You know your name today. We're working on how to spell that tomorrow. I love it. I love it. Hey, Arnaldo, I'd love to ask you, my friend, is what your your role is you're the reentry coordinator now i just want to know what are you currently working on and can you let us know the components of the program so what does this program look like what actually happens do we hit the garden and that's it is there other bits to it what does it look like and why do people come in and get attracted to get into it now i know playing, he's playing the mute game with me he's <laughs> tag you're it yeah, so the, what does it look like? Uh, the program itself, it, it's a, when we were going in uh, post uh, pre-COVID, we were uh, coordinating some lessons in there uh, with our youth and, and uh, with our participants. I'm oh, sorry, got me all tongue twisted over here with this uh, mute button. Uh, God, I'm so stuck here. That's okay. Uh, so I'm sorry. No, so, so what is it? Okay, so what does it look like? So we get to... I, I, I go into uh, I go into you guys and say, hey, I want to be part of this program. What what do I get to do? I'm a guy, I'm a person that's coming to you. What do I get to do? Do I get sent into the garden to pull out weeds and that's it? I presume it's not that way, but give me a little bit of an outcome as to what it looks like and what what uh, what the guys do, why they're there. Okay, so the program itself it's it's a 48 week uh, curriculum and we have four different arcs with uh, 12 weeks per arc, and each arc has its own. Uh, goal. Uh, for example, the, our first arc is about connecting uh, our participants with themselves, uh, the environment, and with the community. Uh, it's, it's a, it's a, uh, they have to learn, they're learning about the, the different systems and how we're all connected. Uh, and it's a lot of play on words uh, when we're talking about inner and outer gardening, uh, especially mm -hmm. when we're talking about the outer, outer gardening, and we ask them to uh, weed or prune their gardens. We're also talking about their inner gardens to weed, weed and prune their shortcomings or their character defects and, and to, to take a look at themselves. Uh, our second arc is about the actual outer gardening. We actually do work, put our hands in the dirt and uh, plant our seeds and uh, plant our gardens and we find out the different uh, types of native plants that can grow in different climates. Uh, the watering systems and uh, about composting. And then we go on to our third curriculum our third arc which is about the inner gardening is working on within yourself and finding out more about yourself and connecting with yourself uh, a lot of times it's just about me 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 and we have to let that go uh, and and know that there's more to life than just me uh, which is really huge um, learning to take that mask off you know you go into these mm -hmm. prison systems and you see these people that walk around with all these tattoos and they're all big mean looking and then, uh, but you know, you ask them to, to, to take a look at themselves. And for uh, some of the times that we see, we have our gardens uh, blossoming and we have some pollinators that come in uh, like hummingbirds. And for that split second, you'll see some of these mean looking oh, guys wow. take off that mask and nope. all the kid comes out of them. Yeah, melts them, absolutely. And it's a very priceless moment. And uh, I wish we could have a camera to take a picture. Yeah. Uh, because I mean, the kid comes out of them. They get all giddy, and then and they again they begin the composure when they realize where they're at again. Put that mask back on. Uh, but that's what we live for. And in the fourth uh, arc, it's about uh, getting back into the community. Uh, we learned a lot of soft skills, uh, 
uh, we do mock interviews, uh, mm -hmm. learn how to write resumes, and uh, how to connect and apply everything we've learned over the past three arcs and apply it when you are released. So there's almost a relationship building there, Anato. If I'm if I'm reading this correctly, is that you're using you're using the garden as a vehicle to gain trust, break down some walls, gain some development, and then use that as the vehicle to steer and develop soft skills for the guys to return home again. Would that be a Would that be a fair sort of uh, look at it from the outside in? It is just to show them that you know what that there are people out there who do care. A lot of people inside they burn their bridges, and we are there to show them that hey, you did what you did, but you don't have to let that define yeah. who you are, especially when you get released. Uh, I was formerly incarcerated. I served twenty five years in prison. I was a lifer, and I know exactly what they're going through. And as I walk in there, and just the mere fact that they know that I had spent time there, especially in the prison I work in, Avalon State Prison, uh, I spent seven years there. Uh, what I was doing of the 25 and so a lot of my friends are still there and they see that and they're looking at me like wow weren't you the one yeah, it. sharpening metal here <laughs> and now you're doing this yeah and and then they become mesmerized you can see in their eyes like wow you're doing that if you can do that I can do that yeah. a little bit of hype <laughs> absolutely absolutely yeah. yeah you and you can do that you know I was in your shoes and you could be here in my shoes because you can yes. incredible and 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 the the hope that that just goes out into them it's really impactful um and i wish we had cameras to, to capture these these priceless moments that just come and go and, and uh... that's amazing 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 that is absolutely love it hey bobby wondering if um you're happy to jump in i've got a quick question for you are you able to tell us about your experience as an alumni and um are you able to tell us a few things about the feelings of the guys um, that are doing the program inside, you know, what's their response? What do they think about it? Okay, yeah, sure. Um, Welcome, Mr. House. Welcome to you, my friend. It's good to have you on here. Thank you. Thank you. I had a little technical difficulties getting on. Uh, <laughs> I see I'm not the only one dealing with that learning curve. Um, <laughs> uh, however, just my initial um, interest in getting into IGP, um, it was just an inquiry at first. Uh, however, once once I got involved with it, it opened up my eyes to seeing a different aspect of of gardening, how to look at gardening. Because the the number one catch with IGP is is in the name, inside gardening. Most people, because it's in a prison setting, they assume it's inside gardening. Gardening. Mm. One of my first um, uh, attractions to it was how it began to uh, correlate these uh, parables between gardening in our own lives. So so that kind of took a different turn because I thought it was just gonna be just about uh, landscaping and gardening to that uh, with just the physical element. So that was the first thing. And um, the second part of your question with regards to how it affected um, those around me in, in the environment, in the prison setting. Well, I think I, I'd heard it sp uh, spoken to a little bit here, but the biggest thing for me and for us um, was just a community, the sense of being able to identify with a, a common a common interest or, or a newfound interest and put aside different politics and, uh, and divisions that are so uh, replete within the prison. So um, the first thing that it bridged, it began to really teach us how to apply um, biodiversity on a personal level. So in those settings, I don't know how familiar um, the persons here are with uh, the prison settings within California, but they're very hostile and can be often mm. uh, you know, stoic and divisive. So 
the IGP provided us a platform for us to uh, begin to sort of put those differences aside and correlate and identify one another on something a lot more uh, weightier than ourselves, which is the earth and our connection to it. So that was the beginning. Hey, let me ask That's you. I, I just want to throw a question in there about this, and this could be to this could probably be to any of you guys. And and I say this in a uh, in a unique and authentic way. We we have a, a large challenge here in in Australian jails. The, uh, the Indigenous Australian person is hugely overrepresented, and we have a, a large amount of Aboriginal and First Country uh, First Nations people incarcerated. However, I, I'm looking here, and I say this completely as a as an honest question is I'm looking at everyone on this, uh, on, on this panel, we've got um, a wide diversity of race here. Did race ever form an issue here? Is there any, is there any racial challenges? Is there any other issues that may or may not have come with this program to do with race while we're inside? In, in prison, it's a huge uh, segregation issue. It's the unspoken rule. Every race sticks to their own period. You can't uh, touch another race because you'll create a war. Uh, and literally that's what it is. Uh, out here with the garden program. I mean, yeah. it, now that we take it back inside, the huge connector, the catalyst between all races is gardening. Okay. Uh, it just uh, so happens that you ask anybody on the yard what their experience is with the garden, if they had any, and they all go back, well, my grandma had one, my grandpa, my dad had one, we all, and everybody connects to the garden, regardless what race, what socioeconomic background you have, what uh, walks of life you came through, everybody's connected to gardening. Amazing, amazing, amazing. Hey, I want to, <laughs> Amanda, I want to ask you something. Um, I, the guys have mentioned, or, or, or Gunner, I'm not sure who's going to be best to answer this one. You guys mentioned the, this term inside gardening, and you talk about your, the inside gardening. Can you give us a little bit more of a, a little bit more of a discussion about what that looks like? So what do the guys get to do? How does that, how does that help? What's the benefit of that? And, and why do you think that's so important to have as part of your program? Yeah, um, I, Gunnar, I'll, I'll start and please add to it. I, I also wanted to just share a story really quick um, about your previous question, Lucas. I was the program manager at San Quentin Prison, and we went through a, an integration program there where men were brought on the yard who had, prior to coming to San Quentin, had been on S&Y yards, special needs yards. So not only were we dealing with racial diversity, but we were also dealing with people who were coming wow. in defenses, which are normally looked down upon on a prison yard. And we got permission to harvest uh, the vegetables in our garden there. And there was a day prior to COVID where everyone sat in the circle across race and across a fence and shared tomatoes and lettuce and cucumbers together. And I remember there was a guy who had been with our program for a long time and he said for him that was absolutely groundbreaking that he had never sat in a group and physically touched elbows with people from other races and, and across a fence. And it was really the garden and eating from the garden that brought people together. Just wanted to share that. Um, in terms of the insight, there are a lot of gardening programs in the United States, but I would say Insight Garden Program is one of the few programs that's really trying to deal with, as everyone's been talking about, the inner and the outer garden. Um, and the Insight, it, it's a mindfulness-based program. All of our classes open with meditation. 
And the whole idea of using metaphors of nature to look at our own personal transformation is just a really powerful part of the program. So for example, we might have a day where we're learning about companion planting and permaculture gardening. And at the end of the class, we might do an exercise where we also look at who are the people in our lives who are co the companions who, when we're with them, they're really nurturing our personal growth. Mm. So we're often going back and forth between those metaphors. And I have consistently heard from the men and the women inside that that's the part of the program that they find to be very unique. Amazing. Gunnar, what, Gunnar, what's your thought on that, man, from the guy that's, you know, from knowing this is what's, uh, how's that insight stuff work? So, so give me a little bit of an idea about what this mindfulness setup is for you guys. Is it a, I noticed from the video, it's, you know, shoulders back, deep breathing and everyone just being in the moment in that space. Is that important being in that physical space mentally and physically? Absolutely. I mean, it's important to get centered and, and feel connected and feel that connection with everyone around you. And it does really transcend the divisions that are so ingrained in the prison system when you get into that space. And then the introspective component of, you know, uh, really forming your values or, or establishing what are my values and motivations. And, and um, that's important. I went through that whole process through a different group because, you know, I was incarcerated in the federal system and, um, and learning, you know, to be compassionate and tolerant and patient and understanding in, a, in an environment that really doesn't nurture those things. And realizing like, this is something I care about. And this is what I want my life to reflect. And I'm in an environment that really doesn't foster that. And how do I connect and, and, and find outlets for this? And, and I did it through a few ways. And that's what our participants do. I mean, in that garden space, they learn to be human and, and to be vulnerable. And, um, you know, things that are just unheard of usually in a, in a prison environment. And, um, and then what for me, um, actually, forming those values and, and, and get, putting them on paper and doing some of the written work and really understanding like when my life isn't in, in alignment with what I care about and, and how that makes me feel and becoming more emotionally um, aware and, and centered, I think is really important. It, for me, it's just helped guide my life, um, you know, by establishing and doing that introspective work first. That's amazing. What, 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 I'm going to edit this next part out, but I'm looking at the clock. We've got four minutes to go. So is, is, could I ask you guys, could we end the meeting and then restart the meeting again so that we get our 40 minutes back and we can then start recording a second part? Are you guys okay with that? That would be awesome. And I want to say Mr. House was in the program for three years as well. So there's tons that he can speak to. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's why that's exactly why we want to come back because we're going to talk about that next bit next. So that's what I thought it's we don't want to cut it off now. But if I end it for everyone, and we just come back in via the same link, are you guys good with that? All right, see you in a minute. All right, we're back again after a little tech difficulty of dropping out. But hey, you guys are used to that with our uh, podcast series so we will keep kicking <laughs> that's the authenticness of this is if we make a screw up we make a screw up and we just roll on hey we were talking about uh we're talking about the program we're talking about what it looks like what it feels like and about the mindfulness section of it now um mr house uh bobby house has been was in the program for a uh, a large period of time bobby i just want to know but before alicia jumps onto her question something i want to ask you before I just want to know from you yourself what benefits inside what benefits in regards to allowing you to get through your time did this program provide to you i know myself i was looking after i was looking for any distraction possible and anything that was positive that would get me out of negative situations or negative places can you tell us a little bit about yourself bobby about 
what it felt like, what benefits you got out of it and what, um, and what it gave you the chance to do inside rather than, than necessarily be involved in other stuff. Okay. Yes. Um, well, for me, I'd had a sense of uh, spiritual grounding before coming into IGP. So I, I felt that I had a, a sense of centering. However, when I got with IGP, what it did was it really gave me an opportunity to begin to deal with the therapeutic aspects of myself, like through the meditations and things, um, particularly with regards to the mindfulness itself. I had never really been exposed to, to those concepts. And coming from the prison environment, it can be very uh, stressful and tension, tension is a uh, constant. So just the, the, the ability to, to relax for a moment, just the ability to, to, to begin to deal with some of the traumas that are addressed by us connecting with uh, the plant life and getting a chance to meditate and having that sense of community. Uh, for me, that it, it just gave me a, a, new, a new way of, of both dealing with my, my internal uh, traumatic events, as well as finding an outlet for how to use the surplus of, of faith or knowledge or other things that I had and, and gave me an outlet how to give back to society through the principles that I was given. So that sense of purpose with balance is what really uh, fueled me through what the inside aspects gave to me. Amazing, amazing. Yeah, it is definitely incredible. Um, just around this one out to Gunnar or Arnold, um, you might be able to answer. So um, can you describe the re-entry work um, and what's unique about the approach that's taken with that program of work? I can answer the, the second half of that, uh, Gunnar, uh, the, the uniqueness, uh, and, I, mm. and I really, truly enjoyed speaking on that. Uh, being formerly incarcerated, uh, and, and I was really heavily engaged in a lot of programs within the prison system, and uh, what separates what I went through to what where the Inside Garden does, the Inside Garden program, it's in for the long haul. Uh, while I was incarcerated, all the programs that they offer there, they have their duration. Uh, eight weeks, you start, yeah. you stop, you're done, here's your certificate, kick you out, get the next group in, and they just kept, it's repetitive. Uh, the Inside Garden program, we do the full year uh, curriculum, and then uh, upon their release, we are there to pick them up at the gate if they need a gate pickup. Yeah. And other programs also provide that service. Uh, they, they do gate pickups, but they just pick you up and drop you off, and that's it. There's your train, there's your bus, good luck. Yeah, good, good, uh, luck see, could, good luck, see you again soon, is effectively what that is. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. and we, we continue. Uh, we, we, after we take them to their destination, their uh, residential home or wherever they're gonna go to. Yeah. Uh, we continue, we have circles group every Thursday night uh, from people from our participants that are from Southern California all the way to Northern California. We all meet together and we say, hey, long time no see and, and we share what we're doing. And we have a lot of amazing people who have created their own programs out here as well or their own uh, uh, nonprofits and they hire each other. You know, we had one individual who just got laid off because of COVID. Uh, they shut down the restaurant where he was working at and just so happened another one of our members who had created his own program uh was there to hey you know what we're hiring right now and so yeah, we really help each other out uh we're we, we're in for the long haul there, there is no uh uh into it uh until you're stable we've had one individual that i picked up last year february right before the uh, covid lockdown and uh dropped him off and we continue to help him with get his ID, his California driver license, his medical card, his uh, 
uh, food stamps, uh, and we just helped him all along the whole process. And his son, uh, several months ago, said, "Hey, man, we really thank you for helping out my dad. Uh, he's stable. You know what? We 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 got him from here, and you know they're there. So we just continue until they reach stability, and they can stay with us as long as they want. And uh, other programs, you know, we when when COVID came, these programs were told you could no longer come into the prison because of the COVID, hmm. and they stopped." We didn't. We didn't forget about our participants. We continued on and we just uh, readjusted our paperwork and, and we continued with our program. We did not abandon our participants, uh, which is what I felt the other programs did. Uh, they just straight forgot about them. And mm-hmm. we have a great, amazing team. We have a development tre- team who created our curriculum into correspondence courses, which is what we're doing now, and still reaching out to them. And they write back yeah. to us and, and it just continues. That's the beauty of it. And we I also had a uh, one who came out and said, I've never been involved in a program that takes you all the way out here. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, and, and that's, it's, uh, that's the uniqueness of our program. Got so talking about COVID there, what has been some of the challenges that maybe um, people listening in, you know, may not really understand? What are some of the challenges that the program has faced with COVID and, and what does it look like now? On the reentry side, it was we had a pivot. So initially, um, a lot of the transitional housing programs that people would, you know, go to after their incarceration were shut down. Nobody was in yeah. the office. You know, everybody was working remotely. And um, luckily, you know, people rallied, and and actually, a lot of those housing opportunities expanded in this last year. Um, but still, housing is one of the major resources that a lot of mm. people need to get out, and there it, there is a deficit, and and you know, housing, especially for women getting out. And, and as an organization, we made a commitment to help women that are not necessarily IGP participants with their reentry needs or transgender people um, or gender binary, non-binary people coming out that need that extra layer of support because there just isn't a lot um, for, you know, that facilitates that on the streets. Um, but also for reentry, we had to be safe. I mean, we don't want to be the person that gets a participant sick if, they're get, if we're doing the gate pickup. Mm-hmm. So we would do our transportation in full PPEs, you know, masks and yeah. sanitize our cars um, and, and try to be cognizant of the fact that we don't want to be the vector that gets someone sick. And we also don't want to get sick and bring it home to our families. Um, it was a real pivot. And, but I think as an organization, we did it really well. I just got done talking to one of our participants who was in there during the transition where the gardens were shut down. And he was surprised at how quickly we pivoted to correspondence and how much it meant to him because all of a sudden people were in their cells a lot more as institutions went on quarantine and to get the written meditations and the written correspondence and something to keep his mind active while he's in that, you know, in a cell 20 something hours in the day really meant a lot to him. Um, But on the reentry side, what I can speak to is it was, you know, we had to really think on our feet to provide the support that our participants needed initially. Have you ever seen anything like that before or is this completely new with COVID? Oh, it was unprecedented. Yeah. 50,000 people, I just, uh, Amanda's just told us, 50,000 people got COVID who was inside incarcerated in the U.S. Now, that's more than... No, not not in the U.S., in California, in in the state prison system. 50% of the population in California prisons got COVID that's the incarcerated population. Um, there were 213 people who died. And the only way that the prison system knew how to mitigate 
the pandemic was essentially to lock people down for a good part of the year. Visiting, mm. in-person visiting is only now starting up in April 10th. People wow. have not seen yeah. their loved ones in over a year. So I think, so, so I asked this as an extension on that re-entry question and probably almost all of you are going to have something to put in. Are you, are you a little bit worried as to potentially some of the mental health challenges that are going to be coming out with some of these guys mm. in, in the near future that you're going to need to deal with? I mean, you talked about, you know, the three care and Arnold, you mentioned reaching stability. So does this look, does this program now get longer? Does this program now get bigger until it takes a little bit more time for some of the guys and girls to deal with the stuff that they've picked up inside um, and, and the change in not seeing loved ones? Is, 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 what, what are we thinking of that? Is, that? is that something you guys are considering? I mean, right now we're, we're in it for the long haul. There is no like um, end date um, as far as mental health you know, support there, we have a broad network of, you know, uh, that there's a, a clinic uh, actually or a transition clinic that we can help people find that support. And we do emotional support in our reentry circles on Thursday nights. Um, you know, it, it means something a lot for our participants when they get out and they see Arnold, myself, or one of our reentry coordinators that have shared their lived experience. I think it's reassuring. Mm. Um, you know, we've gone through that, those hurdles. It, I don't think there's anything that, well, that's probably an overstatement, but if somebody's going through some kind of struggle, we probably can relate and find a way to get through it and help them get through it. And, and so our participants kind of lean on us and we're here for the duration. There's not, you know, like I said, there's no graduation. A lot of programs, you're graduated and you're done. And, and, yeah. and from a perspective of someone who's been in there and been told you have to take this program, your mandated programs, our program, people have to want to join our program. And there's a huge waiting list. And so it's, there's this different sense of something that, you know, uh, you're forced to do versus something you want to do because you see a value in it. And in and, and our program, it's, you know, it's meaningful connections and that's what it's all about. That makes a lot of sense. Makes sense. Oh, Amanda, here's a nuts and bolts question for you, mate. I've got to ask them nuts and bolts because we're going to have some people listening to this that are um, university, um, universities, jail programs, prison programs, et cetera, et cetera. We have a lot of listeners who are working for corrections. How do you, as the director, how does this, how's this paid for? How do you set it up? How did, how did this nuts and bolts stuff start? Because it's amazing. It's fantastic. But the reality is, is that some people are going to be sitting back in, in wherever they are listening to the show and thinking, we want to do this, but holy hell, we don't know how to, how did you, yeah. how did you get this kicking and started? Yeah. Um, so those are all really good questions. And I, I can speak to how things work in California and then how we're thinking about the rep replication to other states and maybe even internationally. In California, a lot of the support actually came from the state legislature through the Department of Corrections. There's been a big push in California to really increase support for trauma-informed community-based programs. Um, both Gunnar and Arnold work with Project Rebound, which helps connect people to college when they, uh, when they uh, when they get out of prison. So our expansion was really supported by public dollars and there's a lot of advocacy going on within the state of California to expand the spending of public dollars on community-based grassroots programs often led by formerly incarcerated people that are trauma-informed. Um, 
In terms of our replication to other states, um, first of all, I, I would hope that anybody who's interested would check out our website, mm -hmm. insightgardenprogram.org, or they can contact me, Amanda, at insightgardenprogram.org. And we do have a replication model where we both are able to license our curriculum, but more importantly, to provide the technical assistance to really support people in thinking through how they approach a prison, how they implement the curriculum, how they approach building a garden. I mean, building a garden in a carceral space is not easy. And I, I think the last thing I want to add, and you know, this would be for Gunnar and Arnold to speak to in the, in the future for sure, and uh, Mr. House and others, I feel like the reentry model that we've kind of stumbled upon in the pandemic is, is really a powerful model and why more groups are not experimenting with that around the country, I'm not really sure. But I, I think it's, um, it's a powerful model that's rooted in relationship building and integrity and holistic care and follow through. Um, yeah. So anyway, I hope that answers that question. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, excuse me. Sorry, I'm just uh, coughing over this end of the end of the place. The mute button. Hey, um, Arnold, give us a rundown, man. On on um, obviously you come to this with lived experience. Is there anything that you bring? Uh, and Gunner also and Mr. House. It's open to any of you guys. You come to this with lived experience. Now we have a we have an ongoing role on our show where we don't ask people about their lived experience. It's their story. They own it. So don't go. So you go into as much or as little as you want to go into. What what changes can you physically see, physically see, I'm not talking the emotional stuff, what physical changes can you guys see happening to the guys and girls who are involved in this program? And what physical changes can you see them making when they come home that you think are the advantages from being involved in this program? Challenging question, I know. This is why I get paid, <laughs> the, big, this why I get paid the big bucks. <laughs> yeah, really challenging. Uh, I was going to go ahead and let Bobby get into that one. but uh. <laughs> um, so After having done 23 years um, and just recently um, having gotten out in October the 1st, uh, I can speak firsthand to um, what it's done. Congratulations, my friend. Congratulations on getting out of there. Well done. Well done. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, thank you. I mean, physically, the first thing I, I see is when you invite someone uh, – to your home or, or, or you know to your community you want to make space for them and so being a to me a returning resident to society uh physically they provided a, a means for me to, to to make space for me in society you know mm -hmm. through through the the outlooks the through this through that the the hand of support as well as through the tangible things with connections with with work options and opportunities to to further uh you know my uh, ideals, but physically, that's the main thing: is the, the sustainability with my um, livelihood, and and as well as having, um, you know, a sense of self worth and community within the overall family of IGP. So, uh, hopefully, that answers the question. But it's very tangible. Yeah, thank you for uh, for that, uh, Bobby. I'd like to uh, push on that a little bit more. The in my in my part, being uh, guiding people that are coming out, you know, I've already been there, did 25 years, come out here, and then there's some issues that I came out with, which I tried to give those who are coming out a heads up on. Uh, mm -hmm. For example, for 25 years, I was accustomed to, if you hit an alarm, you hit the floor. 
if you're hitting an alarm, there's something going on. That's it. And so the gunners are up there and whoever's are, whoever is involved in whatever's going on, everybody hits the floor. The, the last two that are up are the ones that are engaged in something, so they get shot. That's and uh, so you hit the floor. And so I came out here to the school and I'm walking by the South Gym and I hear an alarm. So what did Arnold do? Arnold hit the floor. That's and uh, you know, I was accustomed to it. And But you know, I regained my composure right away and just untie my shoe, pretending that that's what I was doing. <laughs> and uh, I, I don't do that anymore. What I found out later on was that there's a swimming pool by where I was walking at the ca- on campus, school campus, and they hit the buzzer so the swimmers could take a dive. And so I no longer hit the floor when I hear an alarm. So I, I share this with people who are coming out because of the possibility that they're going to go ahead and do the same thing. And uh, so there's a lot of different uh, rules that you, unspoken rules that you, that you learn in there. Like you, you learn to survive based on sound. If you hear somebody running, they're running for a reason in prison. They're either chasing somebody or they're being chased. Out here, people are running because they're jogging. They're, they're exercising. They're, they're, mm-hmm. So it, it's different things. And so I, I definitely need to, uh, I feel that I, I need to share these before they get out and, and be expecting uh, common things that we see as common, but not uh, in prison. And so the physical things, that's, what, that's some of the physical things that, that I see. Mm-hmm. I, we we could legitimately keep talking to you guys for hours, and I and I'd I'd love to actually pass a, an invitation to you guys to be involved. I, I I'm um, a facilitator for the reintegration project and the After Prisons Network here in Australia, and we do an ongoing set of webinars. And I'd actually love to invite you guys to to come together and and, and have this discussion about the Garden Program um, in in one of these webinars and. I, I, I can't personally can't thank you enough, not only to uh, Amanda for, for, you know, for and, and Karen, when we spoke to Karen about you know, getting this stuff rolling and getting this stuff started, but just, just to have, you know, Gunnar and Arnold and, and, and Bobby come on and bring your own lived experience. And that's what our show's about. It gives people the chance to talk the stuff because we're big believers in it. Um, you only get part of the story if you don't get the people mm-hmm. that have lived it. And um, and, and Alicia, as a, as, as a close friend of mine, gets this, and, and this is why we work so well together. And love, love you guys coming in. Um, Bobby, congratulations on your, uh, on your return home, and I hope that things yes, are going well fantastically well. Um, Arnold, you're inspirational with, uh, with what you're doing there, my friend, with, you know, with your turning your whole story and your whole experience around now and helping others. And, and Gunnar, exactly the same, my friend, is, is really, really proud to say that we've had the chance to have you guys on our show and proud to say that absolutely um people turn their lives around and 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 using their own lived experience for the good and thank you all so so much and amanda thank you for facilitating and allowing us to have a chat to you guys today and i hope that we can work out a way to get you onto that webinar and chat again really soon So we will sign off. I'll get you guys to hang on here and we'll finish the talk, but we'll sign off and say, thank you, Alicia. Alicia, happy, happy. Ha- I can't even talk English now. It's my set. My sex in my third <laughs> language, I think. Hey, what do you mean now? What I, do you mean now? Yeah, I know, just in right, general. I know. <laughs> hey, um, have a good Easter, mate. I hope you and the family enjoy and chill. And um, this will be our Sunday Easter show. And then we'll whip up a, another midweek. And then it's the end of season one, believe it or not. Can you believe that? I can't believe it. Cannot believe I have put up with you for that long. (laughs) Thank you. Hey, it's been tough. It's been tough. Hey, before we do go, I just want to go through some of our socials. So if anybody uh, is keen to get in contact with us, if they have any questions or feedback, send us an email at talkingtimeradio at mail.com. 
Um, join us on Twitter at time underscore Lucas. We can be contacted on Facebook Messenger, just on the Talking Time with Lucas and Alicia account. And you can also hit us up on our personal LinkedIn accounts, Lucas Kerry and um, Alicia Head. Now, we're going to put the information for Insight Garden Program up on the socials yes. as well. So we're going to put the, uh, the the website up there, which is insightgardenprogram.org, and that we will spread this around. And uh, as I said, last, our last one, our last week's show, we had just under 1,000 listeners from nine countries around the world. So this thing is getting bigger, and, and we are really, really excited about having some great people on moving forward. And, mate, I, I, I'm not lying to you. i got goosebumps um, or chicken skin, whatever we're talking about, and just with how good that inter- set of interviews was and, and, and love those guys. I hope we can get them back again really soon. So inspiring, absolutely. Hey, you go to work, girl. i got to go to work too, and I will see you and the rest of our beautiful legendary listeners uh, on Wednesday. Take care.